Welcome to the new revolution in fitness and performance, the Ardella Training Podcast, forging athletic bodies around the world. Here's your host, physical therapist and strength coach, Scott Ardella. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 119. I've got a great session for you today as I have Jen Sinkler, and I know you're going to love this interview. Before we get into that, I wanted to pass along something that I really like. If you heard a previous podcast episode with Jason Ferrugia, you know that I like his Renegade Roast Coffee. It's a high-performance, clean coffee that tastes amazing and is free from pesticides and chemicals. It's also a coffee that gives back as each purchase supplies a person in need with clean water for two years. Again, this is something I personally use. And if you like coffee, as most of us do, then this is a great coffee bean that you'll definitely want to check out. For more information, go to renegaderoastingco.com forward slash Scott. Again, that's renegaderoastingco.com forward slash Scott. All right, guys, let's get into the show. And as always, if you enjoy the Yardella Training Podcast, be sure to leave your review in iTunes or Stitcher. It's really easy to drop in a review, and every review really matters and uh, really helps to grow the show. So thank you so much if you've already done that. And if you haven't, please take a minute and leave your review. That would be awesome. I wanted to give you a quick book update here because things have been a little bit quiet on social media and uh, even with the article writing on ArdellaTraining.com. And the reason is, is because I am really, really immersed in finishing my book, The Edge of Strength. I'm really trying to meet my deadline, which is coming up very fast here. I'm trying to get that first draft to the editor so we can get this thing cleaned up and then out there to you. This book is something I am really, really excited about. It's really my philosophy on training. It's going to cover a lot. Um, a lot of different training aspects and uh, unique insights about physical strength training and why strength training is so important. So I'm really excited to get that out there and get it to you. I'm going to have that done by, it will be sometime over the summer for sure. I hope that it will be early summer, but there's a couple of unknowns I'm not sure about, not sure how long the editing will take. I'm not sure how long the formatting will take and things like that. But my goal is to get it out there ASAP as soon as possible, because uh, I have a lot of other things that I'm working on this year, but I need to finish up this book first. So I'm really excited about that. If you want to get all the latest updates and insight on that, make sure that you join my list of passionate subscribers over at ArdellaTraining.com. And uh, you'll get a bunch of cool free stuff when you subscribe over there and you'll get uh, some updates with the book and a lot more. So I hope you'll become a part of that. And I'm really excited about the, uh, the book. And I just want to share where things are right now. So stay tuned for all the latest. All right. So let me tell you about Jen Sinkler here before we get into the interview. Jen spent a decade as Experience Life Magazine's fitness editor and editorial director of fitness. Now she is a fitness writer for a number of national magazines. She trains clients at the Movement Minneapolis. This is a gym that she co-owns with her husband, Dave Delanave. She describes herself as a fitness eclectic. You're going to hear about that in this interview. She is a certified kettlebell instructor through the RKC. She is level two certified. 
She is a Olympic weightlifting coach through USA Weightlifting. She also holds many other coaching certifications through Onnit, Primal Move, Progressive Calisthenics, TacFit, CrossFit, and DVRT, which is Josh Henkins' Ultimate Sandbag Experience. She's been named one of Huffington Post's 20 Best Fitness Experts worth following on Twitter. She is really an amazing person, and I'm really glad that this interview came together, and I think you'll really enjoy this interview session. So sit back, enjoy, and I'll see you at the end of the interview. All right, guys. Today, I'm here with fitness professional Jen Sinkler. Jen, it's great to have you here on the show and really looking forward to this interview. I'm really looking forward to do this interview, too. I was looking at some of your back episodes last night, and I can't wait to, to download them to my iPhone and start listening. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, the right. show's been a lot of fun. I really enjoy doing the podcast. Definitely have had some, some great guests. Again, we were just talking, and, and you're one of them, so I'm really looking forward to this interview session today. I think it'll be uh, really valuable for listeners, so... Yeah, I hope so. Thank you. I, th- I know that, that the, the episodes I'm looking at are going to be valuable for me. The caliber of guests is second to none. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> so uh, before we get into things here, I thought it'd be great if you could tell listeners about your background in fitness and how long have you been at it? Well, I've been in the fitness industry since 2003 when I began as an editor at Experience Life magazine. And I started digging into fitness workshops and certifications pretty shortly after when I realized I needed to know how to teach fitness, not just do exercise, in order to be a good editor. Yes. I realized it was, I was always coming to things from a jock background. I've been an athlete my whole life, but it's very different to, to teach someone how to do something than to just be like, yeah, this is how I do it. Uh, so I, I became a much better editor once I started. Once I started going to two workshops, two certifications, and then eventually I really wanted to, I really wanted to coach as, as a bigger part of my job. So I, I ended up leaving the magazine and now I, I am a fitness writer and personal trainer at the Movement Minneapolis in, in, in Minneapolis, obviously. Right. So tell us about that gym up there. What, what, um, who do you work with? What is your approach to training with your clients? Tell us about that. Well, it's a gym that I technically co-own with my husband, David Delanave, although he started it first, I will okay. say. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's, a really, it's a really sort of magical place with regard to fitness community. And it, honestly, we're, we're pretty different in, in our approach to fitness, too. If you walk in, like, it looks like any, any good gym, right? It's, it's well-equipped with, with free weights, kettlebells, uh, you know, dumbbells, barbells, uh, squat racks, rings, you know, all, all, all the fun toys. But... We use a biofeedback training approach that sets us apart in, in its, you know, a couple of years ago, it sounded a little weirder and more wild, uh, but it's starting to catch on. Both, both David and I are trying to make the rounds presenting on this topic as much as possible. It's a way of letting clients use their bodies as their guides and not in that sort of like, oh, I don't feel like doing that today, or I do feel like doing that today way, but in, in a measurable way using range of motion testing to determine what, what exact variations you're doing on any given day. And we actually have a physical therapist who works out of the gym too, Erica Mundinger, who uses this sort of, of, of testing 
with her clients, like with her with her physical therapist clients too. Now she may not do the toe touch test, which is is the sort of standard test that we use. And I know this all sounds you know weird and, and wild, and I know that you're a physical therapist, so I don't know what your <laughs> thoughts are on this. Yeah. But the way that Erica does it is she'll have her clients you know do an exercise, and then she'll watch the way they move afterwards. So it's it's a little bit more of an unofficial testing situation. But you know I'm sure that you that you know what I'm talking about too. Like you when people respond better or worse to certain movements, they end up moving better afterwards. Yeah. So, so the biofeedback, if I understand correctly, what you're saying is it's more observational based on how they move. Is, it, is that the... it, it is for Erica in a physical therapist setting. Okay. The way we apply it in the gym is a little bit more uh, straightforward because we are we do we do small group coaching. So you know you're about it depends on it, we like to have a lot of coaches on the floor, but it's still it's not it's not as intensive as a one on one session would be. So what our clients do is they come in and they see the workout on the board, but it's not just completely scripted. It's not like it's conventional deadlift day. It's overhead strict press day. It's pull-up day. They're going to see at least three different options for each of those categories. So they may come in and test conventional deadlift, sumo deadlift, and say Jefferson deadlift, which is one of our gym favorites. Yes. And (laughs) yes, exactly. I love that lift. Uh, And then they'll perform a range of motion test to see which one their body reacted best to. Okay. Which... Like it's a way of communicating this, this two way communication. Like the body says, yes, gives a green light. The body says, no, gives a red light. Your range of motion for whatever reason will sort of shorten up and restrict and constrict your body constricts when you're doing an exercise that isn't right for you on that day. Okay. So then the workout session will be based on that moving forward. Yep. So it is a small group class, but everybody might be doing a slightly different version of whatever's on the board. Yeah. Wow. That is interesting. It's weird, right? <laughs> a little bit, a little different, but if it works, you know, works you can't, you can't argue with it. Yeah. Well, so what we were noticing was, and, and I had coached CrossFit for several years and I was moving in, you know, all sagittal plane direction. And I love CrossFit for a lot of reasons. I think it's, it's been really positive for women in strength in particular. Uh, but it's most of the boxes have some, some limitations or many of the boxes have some limitations in, in the variety of movements incorporated. Like it's, there are a lot, it's a lot of sagittal plane. And I was having this, this terrible low back pain when I met David, he was telling me about his gym and, and I said, okay, I'd love to, love to check it out, but just know that I can't deadlift. And he was kind of like, mm-hmm, yes, you can. (laughs) And so he was like, let me show you this thing. And just suspend your disbelief and let's see what happens. And so I used range of motion testing to pick my deadlift variations. And for probably the first month, maybe two, only thing that tested well was Jefferson. Really? And wow. yeah. And huh. I, I have, you know, like I have theories about that. And, and that's that it, it is, I mean, it's really called the Jefferson lift or some people call it Je- the Jefferson squat because your torso is so much more upright than it is in other deadlift variations. Yeah. So it takes a lot of strain off the low back. You know what? Can you explain that real quick just for listeners sure. that don't oh, know sure. that? Absolutely. That so it's deadlift. also called the straddle lift. Yes. So you're, you've got a barbell in front of you. You're going to step over it with one foot. You're going to assume what is basically the bottom of a squat position grasp the barbell with both hands. I usually flip, I usually do a mixed grip with the front hand flipped under, and then you're going to stand up with the barbell between your legs. Don't worry. Nobody's ever gotten hurt like this, especially if you narrow your hands. 
uh, you stand up with it between your legs and then you put it right back down. So it essentially like splits you right in half. Yeah. And it's fantastic for quad growth and for core strength. It's unrivaled. It's an interesting deadlift. Um, you know, I've never really done it myself, but I know that mm -hmm. Pavel had written about it, I believe, in his book, Beyond Bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. And I've always yeah. thought it was interesting, but I've never really incorporated it. Yeah, Kai right. Green is a big fan of it, actually, as far as, really? as bo bodybuilding goes, too. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. It really is good for a lot of things. So anyway, I, I'm testing deadlift variations. Only the Jefferson tests well. And about, I don't know, a month, again, a month or two in, sumo starts testing well. And I'd never pulled sumo before. I'd only pulled conventional. So sumo tests best. And so then I, I have that as an option too. And my low back pain was gone. It was gone. It's been gone forever. That was in 2011. Wow. Nice. And now since then, I've, I've, I've gained more functions back. Now I can do conventional sumo or, sumo or Jefferson depending on the day. Like they're all back in the mix again. Okay. What, um, what do you attribute your back pain to? In the past, I mean, is there, did you have an injury or was it, um, I'm it was curious. that chronic SI joint pain that so many women suffer from. Okay. Uh, it's uh, an overactive, uh, you know, some of our glutes overactive in the sagittal plane and, uh, and others like, so glute medius is, 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 isn't used as much in the sagittal plane and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. This is the information I've gotten from Erica, yes. our physical therapist. So she's saying like transverse plane, rotational movements and more lateral movements are going to engage like more of a 360 degree, uh, core approach and, and including the glutes. And I, I honestly think that I was able to then develop, develop my musculature in a way that, that was more balanced. Right. I think that all the sagittal plane action just, you know, messed me up, like sure, messed up sure. my, my ASI joint. I yeah. was compressing that joint over and over. It didn't help either that I had spent years and years in a tackle sport, rugby, landing on my ass, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, what you said and, and how the, uh, the, the changes in training improve Mm -hmm. uh, the muscular system. So I, th I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's like, you don't even have to buy into the range of motion thing, but people leave feeling better. Like they leave feeling the gym feeling better, which is, is what we want. Yep. So Jen, I actually want to go back to what you said in the beginning there. And you talked about how you started taking, uh, workshops, certifications and things like that to learn how to be a better coach. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious, what were some of the most valuable, um, workshops or certifications that, that you went through that actually did that, that helped you be a better coach? I, I honestly think I pick up something at just about everything I go to. I used to live in Philadelphia and I trained under Jason C. Brown, who is, you may know him. Do you know him? I know of him. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's a great, he's a great guy, great coach. And he owned urban athlete with Pamela McElry and Pamela runs that by herself now, but I got into kettlebell training and the two of them, uh, offer a certification called kettlebell athletics. So that was my, that, I got into kettlebells that way. I got okay. into DVRT right when Josh Hankin started. It wasn't called, it wasn't called DVRT yet when Josh Hankin <laughs> first started it. I think it was called LIFT or something like that. It was an acronym. Really? <laughs> something okay. like that. Okay. Uh, I have taken USAW, USA weightlifting, that is level one and the senior level course. And I learned a lot about Olympic weightlifting, obviously through that. Yes. I went to, you know, a juggernaut become unstoppable workshop just this past October. And I learned so much more about powerlifting than, than I knew before, which was really helpful because I was powerlifting a lot at the time. Yes. Um, I've done a couple body weight certifications, primal move and progressive calisthenics certification. And, and those were fantastic. 
for learning progressions to body weight exercises because I think a lot of people just sort of dismiss body weight as you know not tough enough. Yes. Um, I've done Scott Sonnen's TAC Fit certification, and I, I really like what he he has such some of the most creative movements I've ever done. It, as does the Onnit certification, and uh, last. I also did a CrossFit certification. Okay. Because like I said, I was coaching that for a while. Yeah. Well, so I would agree with what you said. I mean, I think you can always take away something from each workshop certification. Um, I've actually done a lot of the same ones that you have. Mm-hmm. The, the Juggernaut, I did that uh, oh, recently. Oh, isn't it great? Yeah. Uh, Chad Wesley Smith was the uh, the guy that led that. Mm-hmm. I don't, um, and Brandon Lilly. I don't know which one of those yes. guys you worked with. Yeah. So fantastic. That was a really great workshop. What uh, I like about Jug is that they've got a lot of of athletes who who are doing this in real time, like breaking, you know, records and, and they're, they're good coaches, which is a rare combination. Yes. You know, what was really interesting about that one in particular was the, the, um, the information that they shared around programming and kind of philosophy mm-hmm. was really deep. I mean, the, obviously we did some lifting and things like that, but the, the level of information was really amazing. I thought, I mean, I was taking tons of notes, learned a lot from it. So um, I mean, that was definitely one of the ones that, that I've taken recently that I thought was really fantastic for sure. Yeah, I agree. And, and I've been, I've been making the rounds speaking at, at more events, but even at the events I'm, that I go to speak at, I'm, I am taking diligent notes on what everybody else is saying because I'm super interested in continuing to develop and learn and, and, and gain, you know, gain these nuggets of knowledge that, that I can put to good use with my clients. Absolutely. Well, I'll just share this, then we'll move on. But uh, one of the more recent interviews I did with Dr. Ed Thomas, who's mm-hmm. been training, he's been doing physical training for 60 years. Wow. And during the interview, he talked about how he himself is still, he considers himself a student. <laughs> and I just mm-hmm. thought that was amazing. I mean, after all this time, and he's still just learning new things, and he changes his training every year, and it's, it's just amazing. So you can never stop learning. Yeah, I industry. want somebody to smack, my, yeah. smack me up the head, if I, outside the head, if I ever... <laughs> think that I know yeah. anything really. I mean, like let's constantly evolve. That's the name of the game. Absolutely. Share knowledge and keep learning. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about your training. How has your training evolved through the years and how would you describe your training philosophy right now? So I was always very sports specific okay. in the past. Like I started out very sports specific for, for rugby in particular. Rugby is when I sort of started my training genuinely, like I went to a really small high school in, in, in Iowa, and I wouldn't say that we necessarily trained really, you know, really, really well. So it, was, it wasn't until rugby when I was trying to make the, the U.S. under-23 national team that I started you know, training for real. And, and then it was you know, sprints and explosive lifts and, and, and playing the sport. And then eventually, like it, I sort of adopted a more playtime approach to fitness when, it, when, it, when I became less serious in rugby. When I started transitioning out of rugby, I, I wanted to just learn as many new skills as I could because my, honestly, my fitness routine felt really stale. And like, I always, you know, needed a piece of paper to tell me what to do. And, and even then it was really tough to get motivated to do it. I, I mostly trained on my own then, and I really craved, it turned out, and I learned this by training an urban athlete, I really loved community fitness, like group fitness. Like, so I loved these group classes that I took with kettlebells, and so that my training ended up sort of being lighter by nature then, and I got very into circuit training. Uh, I didn't mean I got less fit, though, and, and, and the, the longer I'm in this, the, real, the more I realize there are tons of ways to be strong and fit. 
and what what one sect can do, like, is crazy. Like, everybody can show each other up in, in some way, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right, right. Then I got into CrossFit. Then I got into intuitive training, and that that can be applied to anything, any sort of methodology. And then as of last summer, I got really into powerlifting. I, I did a strongman competition earlier in the summer, and then all of this happened because all of that part happened because I was trying to talk one of my old rugby teammates into doing something that was strength-based because she continued to do, uh, she continued to try to talk me into doing endurance events, and those are my least favorite things on earth. That's probably one area <laughs> of fitness I'll never yeah. really pursue just because it's just not, it's not, it's not for me. I like, I've got compartment syndrome and deep yeah. compartment syndrome in both my calves. Uh, so I'm, any I'm sort of, on, I'm with you on that, by the way. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you have compartment syndrome too? No, I don't. Oh. But I mean, just as far as uh, endurance training, it's just not, uh, I much prefer the strength stuff. You know, I do too. Yeah. It's just, it's yeah. just more fun. But yeah. for a long time, probably, you know, 31 years of my life, I didn't know I had compartment syndrome. I thought everyone was that miserable when they went jogging. Right. Wow. But, you know, it's that the fascia constricts, for anybody who doesn't know, the the fascia constricts the muscle in your either calves or shins. For me, it was like my deep calves and eventually bleeds. So every, like my feet would get floppy and I would kind of sound like a Clydesdale. And I thought everybody was like that when they ran. I was like, how does anybody (laughs) like running? So anyway, my friend Pam was kept trying to get me to, you know, enter half marathons and the like. And I was like, Pam, that's never going to happen, but let's do strongman. Let's do powerlifting. And I got, it got really into it. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, I ended up doing, entering four meets in six months. Wow. Wow, And now I am playing with kettlebells again for a while because I, I kind of wanted to lighten it up and, and, and get a little more variety. I'm planning on getting back into Olympic lifting this summer. I'm going to spend some time in Philadelphia, and there's a really good Olympic lifting coach named Aaron Davidson who's going to be blocks away from, from where I'm staying. So I think I'm going to do that three times a week. And then if all goes well, I'll be back to powerlifting this fall because that's when nationals are. Okay, so, so I guess my fitness philosophy is I am, I'm, a, I'm into fitness eclecticism. Which is a word, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's uh, it definitely is strength based. I mean, would you agree with that? It absolutely is strength based. It's getting strong in, in basically any and all of the ways, all of the different styles and the different toys and the different planes of motion. I I pride myself, I guess, if if on anything that I have an anti dogmatic approach to building strength in in really whatever way is appropriate for either my clients or myself on any given day or any given time period. Right. Now, did you say you do plan on competing in powerlifting again? I think I will. Yeah. I think I, I, I've qualified for nationals. Um, I did like, it it was a really fun experience and I, I thought I would enter, you know, one powerlifting meet and instead every two, you know, the minute I would get done with one, I would be like, okay, just one more. And (laughs) that lasted, (laughs) You know, wow. from I entered one in August, October, December, and then again in February. I, I wonder if you could talk maybe just a little bit about your programming approach for the meets. What yeah, one of my like? training partners, JVB, uh, she wrote she wrote us up. Uh, there were there were four of us who were training for this, and sometimes five, sometimes six, depending on who could who could make it to our training session. So we had like a nice little group lifting together, which always makes it more enjoyable for me in, anyway. Uh, she wrote up an intuitive training program, so which sounds weird because we don't we don't prescribe sets and reps. We prescribe, you know, like it's like again, like here are the categories of lifts that you're going to be doing on any day. Right. But we would try, you know, we would try to stick to as specific as possible. That's the goal is to is to follow follow a program, you know, specifically. Right. So 
we would end up testing the movements and then having like a sort of a main, a main focus that day and then work up to what weight was appropriate for us that day. And it, it would usually be like, the, it, it was a lot of volume. It was a lot of volume, but my body responded really well to it. So we would start broad in the sort of like 10 rep range. And then on, on the main focus day, work up to anywhere from a heavy, you know, triple to a heavy single. Okay. And then do the accessory work for the other lifts on that day. And then the next, you know, the, we would, it was a three-day-a-week program. The next day, the, the next main lift would be the focus. And, again, we would start broad and, and sort of winnow the, the reps down and then do accessory work. And so th- we did that the first two training cycles for the first two meets. And then I had been talking to Chad Wesley Smith quite a bit. Yeah. And he was like, well, you, know, you should join my, my meat-peaking group. And so I did that my third training cycle, and that was awesome. Uh, I, my squat... Like I made progress in all of my lifts, each of my each of the meets, at least my squat and deadlift, like were would jump up pretty substantially from meet to meet. But that one was especially good for my squat because he has he had me doing so many pause squats that there was no <laughs> way I wasn't going to be strong coming out of the hole after right. that program. Right. Yeah. But what was funny was like, he was like, oh, it's it's super high volume. I know. I was like, this is not high volume compared to what. <laughs> is that right? Wow. Yeah. I, I actually did think his programming was high volume, but maybe did not. You? Yeah. Yeah. You know, compared to some of the other things that I had seen, um, yeah, I thought I that his that was My definition end. of volume is really, really different from, I'm getting that, that sort of vibe. I'm on a pressing program now. Do you know who Janelle Pika is? No, no, I don't. So she considers herself the bridge or calls herself the bridge between the RKC and the SFG. She still oh, diligently okay. pursues uh, certifications in both of them. Okay. And she's great. Like she is, and she's such a little powerhouse. And I do mean little. She's like, you know, five foot, almost three. <laughs> yeah. And her, so her pressing levers are perfect. And she can press the 28, the 28 kilogram kettlebell. And I was like, I want to be able to do wow. that. Nice. And you should, I was like, you should maybe think about releasing a, pro- a pressing program. So she's like rounded everybody up and she's, she's, you know, written this program called powerful pressing. And so that's what I'm doing right now. And she had told me ahead of time, like, oh, it's a lot of volume. And <laughs> I'm feeling like, wait a minute, is this not a supplemental program? It's, it's, it's my definition of volume is definitely different from other people's. Oh, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> so let's actually let's switch gears a little bit let's talk okay. about let's talk about women in strength training i had a couple questions i wanted to ask you specific to those areas so what are some of the big misconceptions um, you have experienced that women have about strength training well the bulking up thing i suppose is the most obvious that's the low-hanging fruit one yes yes i think everyone's afraid of getting bulky and i don't know my answer has sort of evolved on this over time like i used to be like Straight up, you know what? We don't have the we don't have the hormonal profile to bulk up the way a man does, and that's absolutely true. What do we have? Can we have one twenty fifth of the testosterone men do, or something? Yes. Some like really is that is that the number? It, that sounds about right. That sounds about so right. it's just it's so much lower than men, and so we're, it's not like we're ever you know nobody has accidentally become Hulk Hogan or Shira as the case may be. Like that's never happened in the history of time. Right. That said. Your body shape ju- does change, and for me, like it's in a really positive way. For it, that may not be for everyone because you know what your quads might get better, bigger when you squat more. Yeah. Uh, your butt might get bigger. Your shoulders might get bigger, but it's not if you if you maintain leanness or increase leanness. Like it's not that you're going to actually get bigger. Sometimes, in fact, you get much more compact. So I. I 
I don't usually talk about the size thing. I, I try to transition clients from, um, because I think that aesthetic goals, they are, I'm all for aesthetic goals, aesthetic goals, if that's what people want, if that's really, really, really what they want. But I think that they can be held in conjunction with goals that are focused on action. And I think that those end up being sort of more inherently, uh, intrinsically motivating over the long term. Like it's really tough to get excited about bikini season you know, every, every single time you're trying to go train, like it's just, it's not a super motivating goal necessarily over the long term. Yeah. Yeah. So we talk about pairing, pairing aesthetic goals with, with goals that are, that are more action oriented. Like I want to get a double body weight deadlift or a 1.5 body weight deadlift or, or whatever the case may be, like whatever appeals the most to that client. So, so that's, that's one thing. The bulking thing is one thing. Yeah. Going heavier for fear of getting hurt is probably the other one that, that jumps out in my mind. Like, with I, I find that if I'm to generalize, and, and I think that generalizing based, in, based on gender is actually kind of a tough thing to do because it really has more to do with personality type than yes. anything else because I have some women who, you know, neither of those things, most, well, like most of my clients, neither of those things apply, like neither of those things applies to. Okay. Like they're, I have to rein them in the same way I would say a male client. Like, okay, like maybe that's not the right weight for you yet. Let's take it down one notch and like work on form. But if, you know, if you're, if, if it's a twist my arm, generalized thing, then there are, there are some clients who are like, hey, is the, does that feel as easy as it looks? Like, should we bump up the weight just a little bit? So, so that's interesting. So that's what you're saying is it's more of a personality thing, not necessarily a gender thing. I, that, that's what I see because yeah. I think that we, interesting. There, there's timidity in, in, in both genders. And, and I think honestly, if, if we're going <laughs> to, if we're going to go big on this, like gender yeah. is sort of a, a fluid concept and, and it's more of a performance than it is like a, the, a body part. So I, so my next question around that area is how do you see things changing or improving in terms of, um, strength? I, but I guess maybe not from a women's perspective, but just in general, like, so I, I guess the question is, are people better understanding the importance of strength training? Do you, do you oh, feel Oh, I that? think absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that people are really starting to click with this, the fact that strong makes life easier and strong makes your confidence skyrocket. And I think it's, if we go back to women for a moment, like I think that it's morphing from this idea of it's the two pound dumbbells sort of thing to like a substantial practice. Like I'm going to hold a substantial amount of weight and I'm going to do this really powerful thing. And what it ends up doing is changing personalities. Like I see, I, I see this, this, the way people carry themselves completely change when they start lifting. And I love that. And, and anecdotally speaking, like I'm not hearing the bulking concern from women very often at all anymore. Like they're coming in and saying, and, and you know, that, that may be that the people coming to our gym are coming to our gym because they sort of already know the score to yeah, a certain extent. Right. But like the, the, the things that we've been able to do have been really, really rewarding both for the coaches. And I think for the for the clients, like our, we've started a powerlifting team when, you know, once the, a couple of the coaches got into it, we were like, you know, we should make this official. And last year, I think it was last year, earlier, like in February, there was a meet that I think it was either seven or 11 women total entered. And that same meet this year, it was like 44 women and 14 of them were ours. 
That's awesome. <laughs> it's just so fun. I just, yeah. I love it. I love, I, but I, I'm obsessed with the concept of team and I'm try, always con, I, I'm try, always trying to create teams because sort of no, no, no matter where I am and no matter if it's an official team or not, like I, that's the way I want people to feel when we're doing a certain thing. How and I think that strength really lends itself to that. Just curious, how, how big are your, um, your group training experiences typically? What, what is the number of people in your group? How big are our classes? Yes. yes. Well, we, we, I think we hover around eight to 10 and okay. then every now and then we'll have, we'll have a little more or, you know, if, if it's finally nice in Minneapolis, we'll have a few less than that. It, it just depends, but we're right around eight to 10 and, and we actually like to have our coaching ratio kind of be one to like hover around one to five. Like we just like it that way. Okay. And I, I know just, that one to 10 is sort of that, that cap. Right. Now, I, I didn't ask this in the beginning, though, but it, are the group training uh, experiences, are they basically done with kettlebells and barbells? And yeah. do you incorporate other tools in there as well? Or yep. We have, I mean, we have a lot of toys in the gym. Okay. A, a lot of strength toys. We, we build in grip training from time to time, too. We've got, you know, the fat grips. And, yes. and my husband's very into grip training, so we've got all the, you know, I, I don't want to say the balls because that sounds dirty, <laughs> but like, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like yeah. the things that you hang up from the pull-up bars and we've got, you know, some of that kind of stuff too, the, the grippers. And we, I like, we'll, JVB and I will take our, our women's class out to, you know, out, out down the block, out to this hill and run hill sprints too when it is nice. So yeah, we're doing like, we're, we're. And we, we finally got an airdyne. That's our nod to like traditional cardio. Oh wow! Okay. I know okay. we're excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and our power—I mean, our powerlifting class, which is sort of a late night Monday, Wednesday, Friday endeavor. Like they don't do a lot of the conditioning stuff. Like they're pretty pretty focused on on the powerlifting program right now. But our other classes, like we'll do, gotcha. you know, power first, and then a block of strength, like uh, probably two to three supersets depending on the day and the and where they are in their program. And then finish with a short lift weights faster conditioning session. Okay, cool, cool. So, what would be your biggest advice for women specific to strength training? Pick a do goal. Like, pick pick a goal that you think you can hit within a couple months. And then when you hit it, pick another. And then when you hit that, pick another. I think that's what keeps us moving forward. So, you may have already talked about this a little bit with talking about some of your workshops and certifications and things, but. I definitely wanted to ask you, who are the people that you look up to in the industry? That's a great question. And there are so many, and I'm going to miss so many, and then I'm going to feel <laughs> terrible. But I'm going to give it a go. Coach Dose, Robert Dose Remedios. Yes. I, I look up to him so much. That man is a training legend, and he has worked with more athletes than 99% of trainers ever will. Like He knows so much about so much. And I really love his cardio strength training stuff. Like it was a huge influence for me when I was creating lift weights faster. And he wrote the foreword for for the first one. So he's he's my mentor. Okay. I love the tight ship that Alan and Rachel Cosgrove run at Results Fitness. And I love the the tight ship run in a completely different way that the Mark Fisher Fitness Crew runs in New York City. <laughs> right. I think right. both of those gyms like show what's possible with a, a really great system for a brick and mortar gym. And I hope that, you know, Movement Minneapolis moves that direction. Uh, Will Fleming at Force Fitness in Indiana, Max Shank at Ambition uh, in Encinitas, 
and John Wolf with Onnit are three coaches who I think give like the best visuals. They tell they tell stories when they coach, and to me, I think that's a mark of a good coach. Uh, they're the ones who give like they, they're the ones who gave me the freedom to sort of adjust cues based on what I think will click with different clients, rather than trying to be you know quote unquote professional and like activate the glutes. It's just like you know what. Like yeah. there are different ways to say things depending on who you're talking to. And I, I think that really good coaches, like they don't try to do that stiff list of, of cues of like instructions. They tell a story and they, and, and a lot of them are external cues. And I love that too. Like they're like, you know, try you know, close the triangle or, you know, try to pick up something with your butt cheeks, like whatever, it is, like whatever it is, they're trying to give you a task to perform. And I've really modeled my own coaching after that. My husband, David Delanave, taught me the biofeedback protocol, and that, for me, changed everything and, and give, gave me permission to listen to my own body and not try to, you know, if it doesn't fit, force it, which was sort of my unofficial motto before then. Right. I really love the way Molly Galbraith, Negar Fanuni, Nia Shanks, Jill Coleman, Jen Comas, gosh, and there are so many others. <laughs> right, right. I know who are fine. They're like, they're all finding a new way to market fitness to women. Yeah. This like non cheesy way that it didn't really exist before. So I feel like we are making it up. <laughs> like we're making up the network and we're making up the way that we're going to talk about, talk to women about fitness. And it's like, we're not, we sort of aren't agreeing to this size is everything. And we want to shrink no matter what, like, we're just not like, we're not playing that game anymore. And there are, there are now a core of us that like, I feel, I, I really believe and hope that we're making a difference. And then last but not least, Aaron Brown and Isabel Fox and Duke are absolutely killing it on the body image and this more intuitive eating side of things. Interesting. Wow, that's that's quite a list there. It's and and that's like a, a fraction of what I should be saying. Yeah, uh, I'll just comment on one and really mm -hmm. the first one you said is Coach Dose, and I, mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to hear him speak recently down here in South Florida, mm -hmm. and uh, I was really impressed. I'd never heard him speak. I'm obviously familiar with his work, and uh, just had really great um, impression, first impression. Oh, he just him. he just knows so much. He, it's that like calm and confident manner that legit coaches present themselves with. Yes. He's just got that. So with that, this is a great follow-up question. Now, what would you say, if you had to say, what would be the best training advice you ever got? Um, I'm going to give that one to my husband. And that is, well, first of all, can I, can I swear or should I beat myself? Um, whatever you're comfortable with. <laughs> Run your own SH blank blank. And by that, I mean, like, you know yourself better than anyone else. Like, I think there's this paradigm in the fitness industry, and it's the same with the medical industry, that doctor knows best, that, like, the doctor knows more than you do about absolutely everything about the way, about the way you feel. Yes. And there's not a lot of ownership. And, and to be very clear, I'm not disparaging the, the medical industry, and they absolutely do know more than we do about a lot of things, but there, it needs to be a two-way street. Like there needs to, it, there needs to be feedback. Like I'm feeling this way on this medication and like, oh, I passed out last night. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it's a yeah. thing that you're like, you're communicating. And in the gym, I think that it's the same way. Like we often have personal trainers and I, this is we universal, we, not we at movement, yes. uh, who are saying like, oh, your, your swing doesn't look right. Do it this way. Do it this way. Nope. Still not right. Still not right. And it's like, is that person in pain? And, and are you causing them pain? Uh, by trying to squish them into a into a box that their body doesn't move that way yet, and I think that the run like run your own blank like <laughs> is a useful right. tool there. And the other thing is 
when I first met David, he said, ask more train, ask more questions in your training. Like, and I think that's a really, that's a really valuable thing. And, and I started making real breakthroughs when I started asking the question, can I do that? Cause I, I had come into the gym and I'd been like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And I hadn't pushed myself. I hadn't like, I hadn't asked the question if more was possible, I guess I should say. Not so so myself, you mean but. asking yourself the question? Yeah. Can you, okay. Can okay. I do that? Right. Like, is that possible? Like, am yeah. I able to lift that? And for a long time I was stuck at a around 300 pound deadlift because I hadn't bothered to ask myself, can I do more? And in that, you know, in that six months power, that I was powerlifting, I went from like a 215 squat to a 320 squat and I went from a 300-pound deadlift to a 370-pound deadlift. And it, a lot of that was the questions that I was asking. Like, oh, how did that feel? Like, could I do more? All right. So I know you've been really busy with um, one of your new programs called Lift Weights Faster 2. Can you tell us about that? Sure. It is, uh, it is a sequel, not an update to Lift Weights Faster 1. Lift Weights Faster 1 had 130 workouts. Lift Weights Faster 2 has 180 workouts, and every single one is brand new. There is no carryover between the two. It's, 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 it's for people who don't want to map out or think too much about what they're going to do for finishers or circuit workouts, both for themselves and their clients. I'm, they're all organized from anywhere from under 10 minutes to uh, under 20 minutes to about, you know, under or about 30 minutes. And they're organized by both experience level and the equipment they have available. And they're already all planned out. Tony Gentlecore actually just recently told me that he uses it for finishers. And I was, I've been really flattered by how many trainers have told me that they do that same thing. So, so what are the tools that are used in the program? Uh, there's a body weight section, a kettlebell section, a dumbbell section, a barbell section, a full equipment section, and then a minimal equipment section. Gotcha. Which is good for travel. Yeah. So that like the body weight and minimal and dumbbells is like, I consider those like the travel sections. Right. And then, it, so it depends on like what, what people have experience with and what they have, you know, at the ready, but they're these super quick, super effective conditioning circuits, circuit workouts that, that you can take anywhere. Like I've got, I've got the book on my iPhone and when I travel, like if I don't want to come up with something brand new, then, you know, I'm flipping through that. Now, is it more of a collection of workouts or is it, it is, is it, a, it, it is, is. like, okay. that's the way, okay. the way I use it is in addition in, in as a supplement to a more traditional strength program. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Other people though, like that's, that's all they want to do. And, and as long as you, you know, you're not overdoing high intensity training, like you can do that too, like pair it with walking and like more low intensity stuff. And there, like, there's a map, there's a map if you want to stick to lift weights faster alone. But the way I really, like, the way I think about it is, is as a collection, not, not a, like, oh, hey, do this now and do this now and do this now, unless people really want it to be that. All right, cool. Well, that sounds great. And people can find um, or learn more about that on your website. That's at liftweightsfaster.com. Oh, it is. It's its mm -hmm. own. Okay, excellent. Cool. And I'll put a link for that in the show notes for the episode, of course. Sweet. Cool. All right. So we're going to do this little uh, rapid fire question segment. I call this the power three question segment. So you, oh. have, you have no idea what these questions no. are, <laughs> and, no. uh, but they're pretty simple. But uh, question number one is your favorite fitness book or the book that you've recommended the most to others would be what? Cardio Strength Training, Robert Dos Remedios. Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. I haven't read that yet, so I will have to check that out. It's good stuff. Uh, if you had to say the most valuable exercise for most people is what? Some sort of deadlift variation. I like how much muscle mass it uses. Perfect. 
I would agree with that, by the way. Would you? Good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm a huge fan of, of the deadlift and pretty much think that every human should, should deadlift in, in some variation, for sure. It's a very useful movement. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. And an accessible movement, you know, where yeah. everybody can do it, you know, so. Yeah. One of my clients, like, that's, it's how she knew she was getting stronger. I mean, she knew in the gym, obviously, but... I love how it transitions over into real life too. She has a great Dane and she lifts, you know, she used to need help getting, getting the 50 pound dog, dog food bag, like from the store to the car. And, and before too long, she was tucking one under each arm and, and doing that instead. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Deadlifts. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the, uh, what's the one thing that you wish you knew 10 years ago that would have made a big difference in your training today? The intuitive training pr protocol I use now, I, okay. I was trying to follow the script. I was trying to follow the script. And I was trying to, I ended up injured a couple different times because I wouldn't pay attention to my body. And really what I mean by that is just paying attention to your intuition. When things don't feel right, don't do them. Yeah. And, and, and I love that too. So I, I'm a big guy to follow structured programs, Yeah, but I have to say that if for some reason you're not feeling up to it on a given day, like don't try to stick to the program and, and do what's laid out on paper. You know I mean? If, if your body isn't feeling it that day, whatever, if you're not recovered enough. And I, I think that's what you're saying with the intuitive training mm -hmm. is to just be in tune with your body and how you're moving and how you're feeling that day. So I, I love that. I think that's great advice. Absolutely. I love following programs too. Like it's my favorite thing. Like I like having, I like having the map. I like Absolutely. knowing what I'm probably going to do that day, right. but I'm also not afraid anymore to make adjustments on the fly. Totally. Totally. And I think that I would have been a better rugby player too had I had I known that then. Jen, is there anything that you think that can be done better in the fitness industry? I do not like the scarcity mindset that seems to be so prevalent, and it probably is. It's probably prevalent in every industry, but I just want to be like when I see the fights on Facebook and the and the you know disparaging remarks about other people. Like, I just want to be like, you know what? There's enough for everyone. Yes. Spend your yes. time being really good at what you're really good at, improve your knowledge base and build toward better. And, and you know what else? Like promote others who are doing a good job. Yeah. That's the biggest thing that helps you grow is, and it seems crazy. It's like, what if I talk about them? Then what if people go to them instead of me? And that, that's that scarcity mindset talking, like switch to abundance, like share your, share, share good content. Yeah. It, like that makes you see, that makes you seem smarter. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. I just, yeah. If yeah. you spend your time trying to squash other people and arguing over what is often amount to just minutiae. <laughs> right. Right. That's time you could be yeah. getting better at your job. Yeah. I'm glad I asked you that question because that is really good insight. Oh, so you. your website is jensinkler.com. But, um, as you mentioned, that's going to be changing here in the, uh, in the future. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. This is the first time I have admitted this publicly. Okay. But, <laughs> I am going to make, be making the switch to unapologeticallystrong.com uh, probably later this summer. Like I'm, I'm, I'm working on a new website design right now. I just, I've got big plans and, awesome. Uh, awesome. and, and I've never, I don't like jensinkler.com was sort of like a stop, like a, a, a step. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's great. Uh, social media, uh, any place that you'd like to go that you'd like to direct people to go to connect with you online? Yes, I, I love connecting with people online. Yeah. Uh, my Facebook page is Thrive as the Fittest, which is a little bit of a tongue twister, but it's uh, thrive.as.the.fittest after Facebook.com. 
I'm on Instagram. Everywhere else, I'm at Jen Sinkler, Jen with one N, uh, both on Instagram, Twitter, and all of the other places that you can be. Yeah, and that's where I've seen you a lot is on Instagram, and you do a great job there, so uh, posting some really good uh, tips and uh, all kinds of stuff. That's where I kind of found out about your powerlifting meet when I saw you uh, posting some of the videos there. So really an uh, awesome spot to catch you on Instagram there. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to connect with you more. Absolutely. So the final question, my favorite question, one of my favorite questions actually, <laughs> is uh, what advice do you have for listeners after hearing this interview today? One big action or specific advice that uh, people can walk away with? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. Uh, um, I'm going to go with find a community either online or live in person um, that makes you better if you aren't part of one already. Let me dig a little bit, bit deeper. How do you recommend people do that? Where, where should they start in trying to find a community? So my, my training partner and co-coach JVB always says, it, we actually both say, and I'm not even sure who said it first anymore, but find somebody who's doing what you want to be doing really well and essentially like start interacting. And whether that be online or, or locally, like say you like, oh, okay, I want to enter a powerlifting meet, find a powerlifting gym then like, and, and, you know, start going, like join the community. Yes. Yes. It's such a big part, you know, I mean, being, being a part of a community in, in anything. It has to make you better too. Like, and that's, that's a big point. Cause there are a lot of communities that are like mm, status quo. Yep. Yep. Well, Jen, this has been great. Thank you so much. Uh, great interview. Uh, I'm so glad that you, you came on. I know this interview was actually a long time in the works, but I'm so glad that it finally worked out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I will uh, get better no, at no email, problem. I swear. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Scott. All right, guys. There's the interview with Jen Sinkler. I hope that you enjoyed it. Definitely make sure to check out Jen Sinkler at jensinkler.com. Although you heard about the uh, upcoming changes with her website and her brand, we'll definitely look forward to that. And I think she is really uh, a great person. This is the first time I've ever spoken to Jen, and I think she is really authentic and just a total straight shooter. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation with her. I hope you did as well. All right, so let me tell you about who is coming next week on the Ardella Training Podcast. There's a new book out called Strong Medicine. This book is fantastic. And it's written by Dr. Chris Hardy and Marty Gallagher. Well, next week on the show, I've got them both here to discuss their book. This book is really, really outstanding. It's really innovative. It's very different from anything else that I've seen out there. Again, the book is Strong Medicine. And next week, I have Dr. Chris Hardy and Marty Gallagher, who is a legendary, renowned strength coach and uh, doesn't do a lot of interviews And I'm really excited to say that I have them both here next week. So this is an interview I guarantee you will not want to miss. So that's what's coming for episode number 120. So just want to give you a heads up on that. And that starts off, well, really this episode started off a whole series of great interview sessions. It's getting crazy here on the podcast. I mean, just have some amazing people, some amazing interviews lined up for you. And I'm really excited about uh, what's coming here in the near future here on the show. Some really innovative topics and and guests that I think you'll be really excited about. So that's what's coming, guys. Again, thank you for being here this week for episode number 119. I hope that you uh, learned something from it. I hope that you got value from it. And of course, as always, take action with what you learn. So until next week, guys, that's it. Thank you, and I'll see you next week. Take care. 
Thanks for listening to the Ardella Training Podcast. Go to ardellatraining.com right now to join Scott's tribe of passionate fitness enthusiasts. Get valuable updates and resources that will help you take it to the next level. Train strong. We'll catch you next time on the Ardella Training Podcast.